This is episode 19 of Hoops Forum, a production of Radius Athletics and a quick timeout podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and my co-host Randy Sherman is back with us this week. Good to have you back, Randy. Thank you, man. Good to be here. Excited to talk this morning. Before we get into things today, big thanks to 323 Sports for sponsoring Hoops Forum. My first basketball camp begins next week, so camp season is officially here. And there's still time to get your camp t-shirts in, though, if you're looking to still get some some of those for your campers. Your players will love the 323 Sports Moisture Management One Color Print Tees, only $6.99 a piece. To find out more about those, either visit 323sports.com or contact sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports camp and for your sports program. We have a new series that we're starting this week here in the month of June. We'll see how long it goes, probably at least during the June probably in July as well. We're going to be addressing the cognitive biases and how they relate to coaching. So we'll start with that. Just a very simple question, Randy. What are the cognitive biases? And without getting too detailed right now, how are they connected to our coaching? A little background on, on this First of all, cognitive biases are part of a academic domain called behavioral economics. I'm not an expert in this field. That's my first disclaimer. I'm definitely not. It's something I've read quite a lot about. I have some experience when I was in college on a debate team that we studied these because that's sort of a way to defeat an opponent is to sort of ensnare them in their thinking, which is a little off. So that's my surface level background of this stuff. but. Um, I would say as quickly and succinctly as I can that a cognitive bias is a thinking error. It's a uh, method that we use to make decisions that could be called faulty. There's several different of them, but in short, I would say they're thinking errors. Why don't you just kind of quickly go through? I mean, you don't have to explain each one of them today, but I do want people to know kind of like where we're going, and then that'll lead us into this first we're going to do. You may have heard of of, of some of these um, if you've done some some reading around you know thinking and decision making and, and mental models and things like that. But um, I would say you've probably heard of survivorship bias, confirmation bias. Um, those two play a pretty. I see those in a lot of coaching talk and coach speak sometimes. Outcome bias, which would be judging a decision based on its outcome, like the classic example would be like maybe someone's a little bit drunk and they drive, they make it home. So the outcome was good, right? Like, hey, I'm, I'm fine. But like, was that a good decision, right? Like, so they they devaluate the decision based on the outcome, not the quality of the decision itself. There's sort of optimism bias, which I call sort of bright side thinking or an action bias which is sort of the bias that says that like we kind of always got to be doing something to fix issues uh, instead of sort of standing pat or seeing standing pat as an option. That's a brief summary of that one. And we'll get, as we go through the series this month and this summer, we'll talk about maybe not all of these, but many of these in more detail. But today I think we're going to talk about choice supportive bias. Yeah, so let's go ahead and talk about what that is, the details of it, and this is where you can kind of dig down a little bit deeper. And then how do we identify it in our coaching? Because I think that's really what we're concerned with here is how does this apply to us particularly and how do we where where are the different areas that we could potentially be showing this type of bias? Let's start with a definition. This is one I think I pulled from some research, so it's not my own. It's a it's the tendency for a decision maker to defend his or her own decision or to later rate it better than it was simply because he or she made the decision. I'll put that in some layman's terms. It's maybe like 
our tendency to cling too hard to one of our own ideas or one of our own decisions that we, 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 we cling too hard to it because we sometimes tie our identity into our intelligence. And one of marks of intelligence is our belief that we're good decision makers, right? So if I'm, if I hold myself to be a smart, rational person, I make a decision, ergo the decision is good because I'm smart and rational. But when the evidence, after I've put that decision into the marketplace, into competition, tells me that that wasn't a great decision, I cling to it because I believe it's good because I made it. This is going to be for coaches. It might be difficult to identify where this is actually happening because we have for so long said, you need to stick to what you believe in. Can that sometimes be faulty? I think so. There's something about experience in a trained eye to know whether it's time to press forward through some growing pains or just completely kick a decision to the curb saying, you know, and like, uh, yeah, never mind. Let's move on from that. <laughs> you know, that takes some, uh, some experience. There, there is something to be said for uh, a leader that is stubborn, who is perseverant, who is, who, who does persevere, who, no, we can do this. We just need more time. We need more practice. We need more uh, reps or whatever. Uh, that's, that's a, that's a tough call. Um, that, that's, that's, that's why they say you get paid the big bucks, right? Like that's a tough call. And I think as a decision maker, there's a time to stay true to what your end vision is. And then there's a time to, uh, to quickly move on. And, and only through experience can you ascertain when is when, right? For coaches that may, you know, still trying to identify where do I, where can I sometimes show this bias as you worked with your coach what maybe are some of the common ways in which this brings itself forth or shows itself yeah i think that's a good question because there are symptoms to look for just like if you had uh, a disease that some symptoms might present themselves and the doctor has to sort of like sort through those symptoms and run through a checklist to determine to, to maybe make an accurate diagnosis diagnosis right so if if you find yourself like defending decision you know coming up with like talking points to sort of justify a decision like like uh, let me let me think of an example like i don't know maybe you bought like a new car or something and that car you get it off the lot and it ends up sort of being a lemon, right? And you don't want to look bad to your wife, to your buddies who you brag about, I got this new car. And, you know, a month later it's in the shop or something. And you're like, you don't, you don't, you may, you know, you, you think of things to say to defend that. Like, well, it was a great deal. Or like, you get what I'm saying? Like you think of like your mind starts to think of justifications or rationale rather than just saying, yeah, man, I really got hoodwinked there by the car salesman, you know, like, I'm just going to sell this thing before I've sink more money into it. I think that's one symptom. If you find yourself sort of like coming up with these creative talking points to defend a decision and in your own internal, in your heart of hearts, you know that you're just coming up with things to say to save face. That's, that's a symptom. Another symptom would be downplaying where you've made a decision of like, oh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to start this player at point guard. I'm going to, instead of this guy, right. Or this girl, we're going to start this player. And, and you put them out there and, and, you know, the first game just doesn't go so well. Maybe the first couple of games don't go so well. And like, maybe there's, 
you start to, well, you know, she's not that bad. They only had like six turnovers. That's not bad, is it? You know, you start to sort of downplay the negative that you're experiencing because you don't want to say, yeah, that was a bad move. (laughs) You know, like that was a bad move and just move on. Those are two big time symptoms. So just listen to your own voice and and what the things you're saying and, and monitor your thinking and, you know, have have someone in your life, whether that's me, assistant or somebody who can kind of go, yeah, you sound like you're downplaying there a little bit or, you you know, who can sort of check you on these things. And I would ask any coach is like, what is holding you back from admitting a decision was bad? What is in you that that is making you defend and downplay when empirical evidence, vision, our, our eyeballs are telling us that that this was a bad call or a bad choice? What's making you defend this decision? That's really at the crux of it. Like, wh- why why are we you know downplaying this decision? I know for our, some coaches, the answer to that probably could be ego. Although it doesn't necessarily have to come from a bad place, like we said. You may just yeah. feel like I was taught that I need to stick with this and I need to you know, persevere and that's going to figure itself out in the end. I'll come back to the rest of that in a second. But okay. like what if I if we don't correct those things or we don't address those things or we don't allow somebody to talk to us about those things or to change our thinking about those things? What are some of the negative long term effects in particular for basketball coaches? Yeah, I would say that I would I would call that phenomenon entrenchment, or I wouldn't call it. That's what it is called, uh, entrenchment, where I've become entrenched in my position. I'm not, no matter how bad this gets, no matter what my staff or assistants is telling me, I've become entrenched in my position. And, it's, and now it's become less about the players, the organization, the program, and more about me saving face and winning the argument. Like if, if we made a decision to play zone and it's just not working, it's just not, we're not good at it. What we're trying is not, it, what, for whatever reason, I am entrenched in that position. And it's less about like me. Now the, the motive has gone from I want the zone to work so we win the games and get stops to I want it to work so I'll be right. And I'll scoreboard my assistant coaches telling me like, no, man, this is, we need to pivot from this, right? You know, like. I think that's that's the main harmful effect is that when when a decision maker becomes entrenched, it becomes more about them than the team or the program. I can remember back to a couple of these instances where I don't know that this came through, but it was a kind of almost of the on the brink of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one team we introduced a new offense to, and it's like we're going to run this, and you get several weeks, and then it becomes a couple months into the season, and it's like this isn't working. And I can almost sometimes it's not that we're attempting to be biased. It's just you almost feel the pressure of it's too late to do something else. Mm-hmm. We just have to persevere and go through this. And I, and I think you 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 do have to sort of recognize whether you're in like a, a dip of performance, like mm-hmm. like, OK, we're in a learning curve here that we're in a low point and we're struggling to you know process this new information and execute this thing, this offense, to use your example or whether it's just a bad decision. I've helped coaches with this over the years since I've been counseling coaches is, and I do say I'll probably lean more to the side of like, no, stick with it. Like you can, you can do it. Like you just, you know, give it more times, more, more, more time, more reps, more, more, uh, you know, another season, another month or whatever, you know, Um, I do say I probably lean toward that, that side rather than like just punting on a, on a decision, just, at the first sign of struggle. Here's one example of how I thought that 
I stumbled upon this helping a coach one time, and this almost touches on a bias that we'll 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 talk about in the coming weeks of outcome bias. But like, I'm helping this coach, and he's not having a great season in terms of win and losses. But this coach is a great teacher. I can tell he's a great teacher. I'm watching his film with him, and his team is like they're they're executing the thing correctly. You get what I'm saying? Like their players on film looks like the diagram. They're not just out there getting disrupted by the defense and it's not just wild basketball. Like they're going through this, through option one, through option two, you know, take the shot and the shot doesn't go in. So that, that to me was like, that maybe is a way that we can form something as, as sort of like a, a, a litmus test for whether we're ready to move on and kick this to the curb or, or stick with it. The thing was working as it should, but his players didn't have the skills to, mm. to, to, to pay it off. If we just evaluated what was happening on the court based on the execution, the adherence, the shot quality it was generating, it would get all A's in those categories. But I just felt like, man, you need to stick with it and keep building these skills in your players because you're obviously a good teacher. The thing's the things you're teaching are transferring to the court. It's just that your players is just missing these shots because they're not talented enough. Let's let's keep improving their skills. Let's let's replace them with better players when they graduate. I don't know if that's right or not, but mm-hmm. or if that's great advice or not because that's not an immediate solution. But that's that's one way I sort of sort of stumbled on a way to evaluate this thing. So, like some practical ways to avoid this. Um, and as you've been speaking, I think the easiest one that I can think of, we've talked about being kind of more data driven, like what is mm-hmm. actually working rather yeah. than even us sitting in the coach's chair, watching what's happening on the court. Is this something that's not actually working or, or is it actually working according to what the data shows us? So things like that, is there anything else that can help us avoid, avoid this type of bias? That's a great first step would be we can know these things now. We don't have to have hunches or misconceptions. We can know these things. So that's a great first step would be if we've made a decision for a strategy or a tactic, we can immediately, when we put that into the field of competition or the court, we can immediately start to evaluate the quality of that decision empirically. Another thing would be that the fatal flaw to me of choice supportive bias would be we sometimes tend to stop thinking about decision, stop thinking about a decision after it's made. I stop evaluating a decision after it's made. Let me give you like, let me rephrase that. Like we think a lot about it before we made it. I'm in this time of the year with coaches where it's spring, summer, inevitably they're wanting to maybe try some new things with their team. They're in research mode and learning about a new offense, a new defense, or, or so on and so forth. They're, they're thinking a lot about it before the decision and trying to make that decision right before they put it into the field. Then once it's made and we get to playing, do we continue to evaluate that decision? So that would be my biggest piece of advice would be after we've made the decision, are we evaluating that decision any longer or have we just that's decisions made and, and moved on? I think I have an example in the article I wrote about this of like we we made a decision to play a compact, tight defense, whether that's man or zone, like gaps or sitting in the paint. Just we did that and we made that decision as an organization or, or, or this hypothetical team made this decision and in its air quotes working like it. We're getting wins. We're, we're getting stops. But maybe if I continue to evaluate that decision, it's only working because 
opponents are missing wide open shots. So can we say it's working? What happens when we play the best team in our league who's got good shooting and good, are we sure it's working? (laughs) You know, like, like, because that's what I wanted to avoid was like, oh, we're winning. So it's working instead of like being skeptical about our success. Like, okay. I think that's sort of the way I hear like, like scientists and academics sort of speak. I'm not, I'm neither of those. So uh, I don't want to pretend to be. But when I hear a scientist speak, they don't, yeah, this will work guaranteed. They don't talk that way. They, they really don't. And when, when something starts to show promise, they're skeptical. Like, okay, wait, this looks like it could be working, but it could be this factor. It could be this variable. It could be that. Like, they're almost more reluctant than like an amateur to say, yeah, great idea. That works great. They're, they're mm-hmm. very reluctant to do that. And I would try to adopt that quality as a coach and a decision maker. That's probably why it's also, you've, you've said this before, it's a good thing to have fresh eyes, people from the outside who maybe can watch film or, you know, give you some, some feedback or simply this is the importance of having a network of coaching friends who you can show them clips. And, you know, what do you think about this? Why do you think it's not working? Just to give you again, some fresh perspective, because I know even your coaching staff, once you get inside that room, sometimes you just start bouncing things off of each other and off the walls and, it sometimes doesn't make sense or sometimes you get biased, which I'm sure will lead us to yeah. another bias. Uh, I would say another almost like mantra to adopt as a, as an organization is the best idea wins. Who came up with it doesn't matter if it's different than what we taught yesterday or the day before or last month or something. We kind of got to get over that and like the, the best idea wins just adopting that, that mentality you know, it's, it's kind of a cliche, but like, if we don't care who gets the credit for the idea, like, I think we can go further as a group, right? Like as an organization. Uh, I'll put you on the spot here. Where do you think is a good place to go from this? I think outcome bias would be a natural segue from this. Uh, We kind of already touched on it today because it's like, okay, is this working or is it just giving me the outcome I want? And that's a preview for you for next week. We'll be talking outcome bias next week. Awesome. Appreciate all of those who joined us this week. If you missed any part of the show, you can go back and watch the full episodes on the Radius Athletics YouTube page. You can find that by just searching YouTube Radius Athletics. Randy's also got some other phenomenal videos. Lost myself in a couple of the other night. And so I plan to do that again here pretty soon. Or you can go listen to the full audio. It's released a week after we record it live here on Twitter. You can search any podcast platform a quick timeout and you'll see there the audio version of the of the show uh thanks for tuning in we'll talk to you again next week on hoops form